My fellow investors, welcome back to a new episode of the Newcomer Investor Channel, where we talk about stocks, share insights, and debate. I am so excited today because we have a legendary guest, the host of the One Penny at a Time podcast. How are you doing, man? Hey, Anthony. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me over on the podcast. I'm excited to finally get, we finally get to meet. I know we've been kind of going back and forth for this in a while, just with scheduling is permitting, but I'm excited to you know, get to know you and you get to know me and, you know, hopefully your, uh, your audience and my audience can come here and, you know, have a good time here. I know, right, man? I've been listening to your podcast for a while now, so I am very excited for our listeners to get to know you better. So with that, let's actually start off immediately. Let's have you introduce yourself a little bit. So just, you know, tell us who are you, who, what is your podcast about, what's like the mission, and uh, then you can describe kind of your start in investing. Sure. So um, I am currently based in Austin, Texas, originally from a small beach town in the island of Puerto Rico in the Caribbean. Um, I've been living in Texas for four years now. Um, my podcast, One Penny at a Time, um, next next month will be a year that I've been doing it. Um, for me, the goal of the podcast is kind of a couple things, right? I treat it like a diary for myself, just to hold myself accountable with what I'm doing and, you know, just having... I'm not much of a writer, but this was a way that I found that I could kind of get my creative outlet with. I mean, you know that I used to work in the music industry and I haven't been, I've stopped five years ago. So this is kind of like my creative outlet to, you know, just to kind of keep me going. Um, goal of the podcast is, is trying to help people understand the basics of investing as well. I go over some thoughts in the market, some thoughts in my portfolio, some ideas, but I try to keep it as simple as possible. So I am trying to target, you know, uh, trying to get in new audience who's trying to get into investing. But what's really funny is, is that um, my audience, it's I have people who are, that are pretty veterans. I have new people. I have a big, crazy mix of it. So it's been kind of interesting that it kind of went out that way. Love it. And another thing, too, that I like about your podcast and your mission is like you, literally the title, like one penny at a time. It's like it's not about, you know, you know, sometimes we see those influencers that are like, oh, I just dropped 100K in the market kind of thing. And it's like, man, that's that's inspiring. But also not a lot of people can do that. I certainly can't. And, and, and you don't do that either. Right. So I, I like that. It's no. you make it accessible for everyone. Right. Including people who are just starting who have a penny or, you know, just a little more kind of thing. No, absolutely. And it's kind of funny because, you know, there's some brokerages that I think the lowest uh, you can invest is like a dollar at a time. It's like through like M1 Finance and I think Robinhood you could. Mm -hmm. um, I know the platform I use, it's a $5 minimum. So it's okay. obviously you can't start, you can't put in a penny, but it's more about the context, right? It's it, you have a dollar, you have whatever you could put in, just start and trying to get a little bit of piece of the pie. And even if it's just putting $50 a month into a S&P 500 ETF, that your that fifty dollars in the long run will do better for you, and you're starting right. We all started one place where we couldn't put in a lot of money, and I think for me, it's what through the mission to the podcast is is trying to be relatable, and obviously, it's going to get to the point where the portfolio will grow and it'd be you know at a higher amount. But seeing people go, you're, you're doing this. I'm at the exact same point of view in your portfolio, and this is just giving me the confidence to keep going. So that's usually what I like to try to push, and you know. I've said it on Twitter. If I see somebody post, they got their first cent dividend. I'm going to throw fireworks, a pinata, go-go mm -hmm, yes. dancers, you name it. We're celebrating. I don't care. Love it. That's that's the way to go, man. Okay. Now, with that said, uh, I know you love dividend stocks, right? That's yes. Are you only in dividend stocks, or do you have some? I don't remember some non-dividends. So right now, um, as far as in you know everything that I do have pays some sort of dividend. Okay, so, so fully dividend. Yes, but. Cool. For me, with um, either like a lot of the tech stocks or stocks that are high on growth but no dividend, my strategy for myself is that I went with those on a ETF index route for a couple of reasons. One, I'm still not at the point psychologically. If I see a stock go up so high and I'm up, say, 40, 50, 60% on an individual holding, it's hard for me to add money to it. Mm. What's worked out better for me is indexing it out and also having for me just having those like those that run really high in an index has just made it better for myself obviously everybody has a different point of view of it because you know it's personal finance a lot of those like the apples the microsoft's all of those 
I've strictly gone ETF with those because that's just work what works best for me. Obviously, I do miss out on possibility and some really good gains through individual holding, but seeing that much movement for some of these stocks makes me really uncomfortable. I feel you, dude. I recently sold out of Apple and Microsoft. Really? Uh, because, uh, like, yo, I was up 40% in like a year or let some, like, and it's, I don't like massive swings as well. So it makes sense to have them in an index. So with that, I think we can start talking about some of those stocks I wanted to hear from from you. So I think the one you'd basically refer to is probably QQQM, right? One of them, yes. So, so for, yeah, let's talk yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. So QQQM and obviously uh, VOOVTI, I do have exposure to those, but with QQQM, um, QQQM, is the new it's a newer etf from you know nasdaq you know about covering the nasdaq so qqq is the one that's more popular throughout mm -hmm. you know investing um qqq essentially is very popular for uh, options options tradings and uh because of the volumes higher qqqm is the exact same thing as qqq except the volume is less the expense ratio is cheaper but then oh. also the stock price is actually cheaper as well. That one is meant more for long-term investing. So I started off with QQQ, but then started doing research and I even made an episode about it and I found QQQM. It's practically the same thing, just with a lesser expansion ratio, lower stock price and less volume. So I can, it serves what I want to do. Um, I'm not ready for options yet. So I'm just trying to build it out as a long-term position. Love it. Well, I, I didn't know those things about QQQM because, yeah, I've been seeing so much QQQ in general, and mm -hmm. I never heard about of QQQM until I saw you tweet about it. So with the QQQ, I just wanted to ask, that is mostly tech then, right? It, it So it is heavier on tech, if I'm not mistaken, about 40% in tech. But there's Ooh. also other things that are in, like, for example, in their top 10, I believe Pepsi is actually part of the top 10 in oh. the holdings. So it's not necessarily all tech, but heavier in tech. Like for me, I have obviously Microsoft, I have Apple, NVIDIA, um, Amazon, Google. Mm -hmm. So all those really cool, you know, great businesses that I want to own, but uh, kind of how we talked about, I don't really yeah. feel comfortable maybe having the individual because um, I'm at the point to, I, I'm at 22 total holdings and I'm not trying to balloon it too much. So I'm just trying to You're right. find yeah. that happy medium and balance where I get a little bit of everything, but also keep it you know, pretty sustainable. Okay, no, that's fair. And so you're buying this one as, like you said, a long-term hold, so you're not selling when it's high and then buying back, right? You're just holding onto it regardless of what happens and adding with, to it. With my ETFs, I have no intentions of selling them unless if I exit out of it just due to a, a different view or find something better. But as far as that, I don't, I don't try to take profits out and move them with ETFs. I just let them sit and roll. Okay, love it. For our listeners listening right now, that is the best approach, in my opinion, also with ETFs. Those are the ones to keep as core holdings and just never sell. Just hold on to them until you're 80 years old, you know, on, on your deathbed surrounded by all these grandchildren. And then you give them the keys to the portfolio <laughs> with an ETF that hopefully appreciated times 100 kind of thing. Exactly. Except I'm not yeah. going to be in my deathbed until 80. We're going to make it to 100. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Love it. Okay, cool. So that was QQQM. Now, listen, what I really found super cool and intriguing uh, about your podcast is I know you love dividends and you love REITs. Now, I am uh, currently kind of shopping around looking for a nice American REIT to add to my um, RRSP account, which in Canada is the retirement account, where mm -hmm. American dividends aren't taxed. So that's why, that's why I'm looking there. Uh, and I know you own Realty Income and Vici, right? Those are two very, very popular names. I would love to start with Realty Income. Get your insights on this one. Sure. Um, obviously, um, for a lot of the American, and honestly, not even a lot of Americans, a lot of investors around the world, you know, Realty Income has been a staple in the dividend community for a while now. Um, for those who don't know, uh, real estate, they do triple net leases, uh, mostly commercial real estate, um, their top categories, uh, grocery stores is top. Then after that, it goes to convenience store, dollar store, home improvement store, restaurants, and then drug stores. So a couple of fun facts. Um, usually, like, uh, every person lives within three miles of a CVS or a Walgreens is the stat. I can confirm I have both of them within three miles of my house. Nice. Um, but also with um, grocery stores, they have a big exposure in Walmart and Kroger, 
Walmart and Kroger controlled 32% of the grocery of the grocery business, but then also with convenience, um, 7-Elevens, gas stations, but then we go to dollar stores. What I like about the way, like the type of real estate that they're heavy on, it's businesses that even if there was exposure to online, these are staples. Like grocery store, obviously, you know, we now have like the order through your app and deliver still has to come from somewhere and Mm -hmm. people are not going to necessarily stop going to the grocery store. You know, obviously there's a little fluctuation of that. It's just evolved. So like the big thing now is in every grocery store, if you don't have this in a grocery store, you're not going to keep up with trends is we order online and then you go pick it up. You still, they're still at the store, right? You go to the store and pick it up, but you're not necessarily going in. Um, I love their portfolio, but they have exposure in Europe. They have they have properties in the UK and Italy, obviously heavier in US, of course, but yeah, yeah. they do have exposure in the UK. Occupancy rates at 99%, which is wow. really good. That's amazing. So, Industry leading. Yeah. So that's really good. In the last decade, I believe, and I haven't looked at the stat in a while, but I believe the lowest it's been in the last decade or a little bit over a decade, I think it was at either 96 or 97% occupancy that's rate. That's really good. Yeah. So... And the big thing with all real estate right now, it's um, real estate, the, the whole sector in the market has not done the best this year. Um, obviously, rates are a big driver with that because loans are getting more expensive. And for them to be able to, you know, expand their portfolios, it's costing them more money to be able to do that. So I think it's a good year to focus on real estate. Obviously, once rates go down, I feel like they'll that'll kind of be like the recovery onto it. Realty income actually this week has had pretty good recovery into it, where for a while it was ranging between like the 58 to 60 mark. It's over 62 now, so it's starting to pick up again. Mm -hmm. But then right now, if I have to talk about my favorites, Vici, and a couple stats of Vici, I went to Las Vegas last September, one of a kind experience. It's one of the best times I've ever had, one of the best trips I've ever had. Believe it or not, it's not that expensive to do Vegas if you go in the right time. It's not that expensive and you get so much entertainment, experiences, food, you name it. There's something for anybody in Las Vegas. A big, my big bold thesis on Las Vegas though is professional sports teams. So right now, uh, the NHL have the Las Vegas Golden Knights, which they started in 2017. Um, They just won the Stanley Cup. Um, NFL, um, Oakland Raiders moved to Las Vegas Raiders in 2020. Um, WNBA has exposure there too. So, uh, baseball, uh, Oakland Athletics will be moving to Las Vegas, I believe in 2027 or 2028. It's leading the trail for them to have a soccer team there. MLS, MLS is now starting to, MLS is starting to pick up a lot in America. Um, now, especially with uh, Lionel Messi signing with Inter Miami, hopefully that helps grow the sport here and maybe bigger athletes get to come out and help grow the sport in America. But then also, it's not going to be long, long when the NBA team gets home in Las Vegas. Um, I know there's been talk about that. Um, they've done like all-star games there and like events there. So it's a matter of time. And that's just going to help expand the tourism to Las Vegas, the, all the properties and that is my bold thesis on Vici, of course, besides everything else, which is, you know, gambling and yeah. great experiences. But sports is my bold thesis on this. Okay, interesting. So just for, for our listeners also to recap, mm-hmm. Vici, just because we spoke about realty income. And yeah. can you just explain what Vici is even just? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. Oh, yeah, no, sorry. absolutely. I went on no, a tangent. I was on there. Yeah, that's so, all good. Yeah. Yeah. V- Vici, it's uh, real estate. It's a REIT. Um, they have a lot of exposure into Las Vegas hotels and casinos. Now, it's not only with there. They also own golf courses and other properties across America, but it is heavily Las Vegas-based. I believe also Vici, if I'm not mistaken, I think they are expanding to Canada. I know Realty Income oh. has had expansion to Canada, but I think Vici yeah. has as well. Okay. Um, some, you know, some Vici has been doing really good since its inception five years ago, has had really good stock appreciation, really good dividend growth. One of the drawbacks that people say it's obviously it's a newer stock. It's only been out for five years, so mm-hmm. not as much data as we like to get. But so yeah. far, their their executive team has done a really fantastic job with um, being able to really grow this portfolio. Also, they have been being um, back in November, December, they acquired ownership rights for a bunch of hotels in Las Vegas are pretty cheap. Also, I think 50% of the Bellagio is up for sale. Um, 
we'll see if Vici gets that 50% of the Bellagio. Mm -hmm. So uh, may I ask, and if you don't have the stat, it's it's fine, but I'm, I'm curious just how much percentage-wise are we talking in terms of Vegas exposure? Is it like 80%, 90%, or more like 60 Do you know by any chance? I don't know off the top of my head, but I know it's very heavy. Like pretty much their exposure to Las Vegas is like the big name, like the big name, like hotels, like right oh, now. Okay. So they have gotten exposure... I believe they have exposure to the Luxor. They're trying to get that part of Bellagio. Um, let's see. So it's like a Vegas pure play then. It's kind of like I, I own in, in Canada, I own um, one called Rio Can. I'm pretty sure it's the biggest yeah. reach or at least top three. And it's 50% yeah. Toronto area. So it's a kind of a pure play almost on, on my city, right? Because yeah. I believe in it. So it's kind of like that for Vegas. Exactly. So obviously mm -hmm. Vici, the heavy exposure, it's Las Vegas, right? So most of it is in Las Vegas, but they then they have like golf courses across and other properties. I believe they also have some properties up in Atlantic City, New Jersey, oh, okay. but then some some golf courses. But my main thesis for it is Las Vegas. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, you know, that's a strong thesis because Las Vegas, I think, has really made like a, a an imprint in the minds of everyone right like i can tell you for you for you maybe it's a it's a different thing even because you're as an american you already know right but for, mm -hmm. for us like foreigners because I'm, I'm in canada now but i also grew up in europe which is even further away from, from the u.s for us it's really it's in it's captured the imagination for us you know like vegas the land of you know the casinos and the lights and everything it's so exciting and and it's i'm sure i'm convinced it's everyone's goal to go at least once in their life to Vegas. I know it is for me. I haven't been, but I'd, I'd love to once just to see it, you know? I'm so, telling you, man, it's really not that expensive to do. It's really uh, not. That's amazing. Good to know, man. Cool, Look, cool. I'll, I'll say this. When we went, we got a five-star hotel for about a hundred bucks a night. What? I'm telling that's you. That's so it's cheap. Not... Wait, why is it so cheap? You, If you that's go there... At the right you... time. You have to go at the right time. If you go, obviously, in a busier time, you know, yeah. maybe that, that hotel may be like 200 bucks a night or more. But if you go in the right time, you can do Las Vegas for really cheap. Wow. Okay. So another thing, too, about Vici, you said it's had good capital appreciation. So if I'm not mistaken, I guess it's maybe the type of REITs where you get a dividend. Maybe the yield isn't like super high, like 6 or 7%, but Correct. maybe it's like 4 or 5 but you also get the price going up as well. Yeah? It's Absolutely. Those. Absolutely. Um, I've bought in, I've, I've gotten some tranches of Vici, um, the low fours up to even a 5% yield, but usually it hovers around that four and a half. Um, with Vici, um, it's a quarterly, so it's not a monthly dividend. It's, it's every January, April, July, and then it should September, be, I think. no, September is my oh, really October. strong dividend month. October. Yes. Yeah, so, mm -hmm. No, September is the uh, that that's the the quarter where I get the higher dividend. So I know uh -huh. Vici Vici's in my slower month. Okay, but it's you get that both combination, and you know Vici is really committed to their shareholders, and they've just been doing a fantastic job. And I've hopefully they keep building up their portfolio with you know then just with not even with Las Vegas, but just other properties around. But you know they know that their bread and butter is Las Vegas, and that's what they're making sure that is on top notch. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, I, I love it. Thank you for, for presenting that one. I think also, because we're talking about REITs, right? But I guess this is also like an indirect play on just the entertainment space in general, right? Like I can tell you, my, my play in entertainment has turned out to be a disaster so far. It's Disney. Luckily, mm -hmm. it wasn't a big position. But man, that company just like, ah, it's it's not good what, what's happened <laughs> recently. I'll, I'll say this about Disney. I haven't studied the stock in a long time. Uh -huh. But um, back in 2018... I used to have a coworker where we we talked a little bit about stocks. At that time, I really wasn't like too in depth with it, but he was buying Disney in 2018 at like ninety ninety two dollars a share. It's under that right now. Yeah, the, I know Disney's five year performance has been horrible. The and they removed the dividend as well. They it's, did. It's it's very dis to me. Disney is one of these companies that has the the most biggest gap between the potential and the results. Because the the IP, like the stuff that they own, is really insane, right? I mean, it is. They... I'm I'm extremely big with intellectual property. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I know we weren't going to talk about this, but I'm just going to throw yeah. this out. No, there. that's so good. Yeah, yeah. Let's do one of one of the things I've always wanted to buy, I just have never pulled the plug, is on Nintendo. Oh, um, okay. I was going to buy some in early January, February, because I felt like the stock price is right. I never pulled the plug, and it got it it was run up a little bit, so that's why I haven't done it. Fun fact is I'm a, as you can see in the background, I'm a big Pokemon fan. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you know that Pokemon is the fifth 
largest licensed product in the world. And I'm not talking about Nintendo. This is just solely Pokemon is the fifth largest. The only companies that beat them in intellectual property licensing is Disney, Warner Brothers, and I forget who who the other ones are, but those are the two. That is a branch Uh of Nintendo. Imagine everything else that they're doing. And right now, I feel like they're on the right trend, um, especially with... um, they, they've kind of gone back to what their core gaming should be. They had a decade, a lost decade, as I like to call it. Mm-hmm. So that is like the entertainment side where I kind of want to get into it. Just need yeah. to find the right gaming, um, mm-hmm. the the right tranche. And that's one where I'll buy, say, like 10 to 15 shares and don't add to it and just let it sit. It's more of like a passion play. I'm not trying to dca and just buying the tranches so that's something i want to incorporate i just need to find the right time to do it yeah no that that makes sense well dude i love video games too though i haven't played in a, in a while but i i was always a fan but then if we're talking about the subject what do you think of the whole activision blizzard thing that's been going on i haven't followed exactly now where we're at with this deal but have you looked into that um i've i've briefly heard about it um so obviously i know uh the in the uk they've been very opposed to it yeah um they've been trying to block it and sue like a thousand times i think it will go through um honestly the big debate is obviously active i mean activision has the call of duty brand which we know worldwide it's one of the most popular games but then there's also other games as well such as world of warcraft and I think if I'm not mistaken, I forgot what other games they do, but those are the they main have two. A bunch, yeah, super yeah. popular franchises. Mm. You know, the big the, the big thing actually is Nintendo did not have the rights to Call of Duty until now because Xbox, um, Microsoft, and Activision like, hey, to show that we're trying to be you know fair, we're gonna let Nintendo, you know, get the right to the game. Then Sony came in and it's like, no, we don't like this because then there's like even more fighting. It's gonna go through. I feel like. Um, what I the big debate of why this is an issue. Um, Microsoft through Xbox has what's called the Game Pass, where you can pay ten dollars a month and get a library of games. Their big fear is, what if they put that game on their Game Pass and then they are creating a competitive advantage where people can go to their software, to their hardware for almost nothing? And that's been the big debate. Yeah, interesting. I've I've seen a lot of people play that, like do that arbitrage play, right? And uh, I don't know. Do you know the dividend guy? Have you? Do you know him? Um, I I've seen him on Twitter. I've listened yeah. to his podcast. I've never met yeah, him though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was uh, he was a guest on on this show, and I was a guest on his too. But I remember yes. just him tweeting about that the arbitrage, and I think he sold recently, and he made a big gain on on that whole thing. So yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. I I love the entertainment and and gaming space. But anyway, let's let's segue now into some mm-hmm. other of your stocks that you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just looked at REITs. So tell me a bit about mainstream capital. I, Main Street Capital. I know nothing about this company, so I'm a blank slate here. So, what is what is this company? What did they do? Why did you buy it? And what do you think moving forward is going to happen with them? Sure. So, Main Street Capital. It is a BDC, which is a business development company. So, they are a mid cap, uh, mid cap stock. They, I think they're they're around between three to four billion in market market cap right now, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, really, it's a monthly payer. Um, pretty solid yield right now. I believe it's at like 6.5 to 6.6 in dividend yield. Um, consistent dividend, mm. very consistent dividend. They're also very consistent with giving special dividends. So they've actually been very good with that. So what Main Street Capital does is they provide loans out to maybe companies that are making it's harder for them to get loans to like bigger banks to like you know, to improve their business, but also then they do like private loans. So that's a big focus on to their business. Um, the reason why I feel safe doing it, obviously BDCs are a little bit riskier in play, but Main Street Capital, in my opinion, right, is been the safest one in that space. Also, their investment portfolio is very diversified. So if one thing fails or like say a company cannot pay back their loan, it's not that big of a hit in the way how they've arbitraged it. So I feel like with me, right, um, as far as like on stock appreciation, you're not going to get a lot. It's up about like 11% over the last five years. So it's not really a play on stock growth. It's more about, obviously, you have to look at it as a total return through the dividend. Income, But yeah. as, as far as consistency goes, I have had it since day one. I have never had 
any scare with the stock. It's mm-hmm. It does exactly what I needed to do. So every stock or every holding I have in my portfolio, it has a purpose or a job. So it's it's all about that. As long as it has that purpose and job, I know it's not going to give me a 30% gain in stock price unless if you if it's a big dip and you get the right time. But I know what the job is for that. And once I reach a certain percentage where I'm comfortable with it, and then I don't want to reinvest that dividend back into Main Street, then I can use that monthly dividend to put it into something else. So that's kind of like the job with it that I have with it. Yeah, man, I love what you said. Again, for our listeners, take note of this moment. It is so important to be intentional with your your stock holdings, right? Like when you buy something, you have to know firstly, why do you like this company? But also what position does it play within your overall portfolio, right? So what you described actually is very similar to my strategy. I have, uh, you know, I've separated my stocks into different categories. So I have the long-term compounders and then I have the cash flow machines. So this one is like one of your cash cash flow flow machines. It just gives a great dividend. But plus you said 6% dividend yield plus special dividends. That's pretty good then. You get up to like 10% or 8% or whatever. They're very, and they're very, and they're they're very consistent with the special dividend too. So it's not like one where it's like, sometimes you get a surprise, like, oh, like when, when you get a special dividend, it's like, Okay, cool. Like it's to that yeah. point. That's amazing. Okay, cool. So that's Main Street Capital. And can I ask? Do you know? Firstly, it, it's it's like not a new company, right? It's existed for a little while. Yeah. No, it's been it's been around since the, I think two uh, thousands. Okay. So how did they do in in two thousand and eight? Did did you do you know? Was it okay or? I'm gonna be honest. Um, I have not looked back in that time period. I've okay, only really kept fine. track of it like the last decade or so. That's that's fine. I mean, hey, if you have a, a good decade, then you know what happened before. It's not necessarily. Not say it's not important, but it's yeah. it's already good to have those ten good years. <laughs> so no, absolutely. Okay. And if yeah. you look at other companies in that space, um, I have friends who are doing a ARCC, which is a BDC, Alra Capital, which is a BDC, PSEC, it's a BDC as well, but like they're riskier plays. PSEC is one where it does the exact same thing as Main Street Capital. It trades, I think, between like between five and seven dollars a share. It's a monthly payer, pays six cents every month per share. But they have cut their dividend multiple times in the ah. last decade. So it's like it's a very risky play. So it's like yeah. you have to when you're looking at those BDCs, you have to not just think about, OK, it pays them. You have to really get dig, but really deep dive into it before you consider you before you want to add a monthly dividend payer. Just know the risk. Know you know, you have to look at, you know, look at time, look at trends, uh, look at, you know, payout did ratio. they ever cut the payout ratio? Yeah. It's all those things you need to really account for. Um, I have no desire to add another BDC or anything like that. I'm just happy with that one. It does what I need. I don't need to get another one. Yeah, and it sounds like you have the best one, so might as well just hold on to that, right? Yes. Um, Coolio, so I want to also ask you about another one uh, about which I know nothing. <laughs> Ally Financial. What company mm-hmm. is this? What did they do? And what's the purpose? Yeah. Yep, uh, LA Financial, ticker symbol A-L-L-Y, is the world's largest uh, online bank but also the number one producer of auto loans in the world. So risk, risk your bank play. I'm going to be very upfront here. It's a riskier play. Um, uh, High exposure to auto loans right now. It's a little bit risky, but they make a lot of money from that part of their business. Um, Online banking. I like it They They pay a very good interest rate, you know, pretty, you know, considering, you know, what the big banks pay their interest rate, I think is just slightly above 4%. What I like about Ally is they have no leasing, no leases to actual brick and mortar banks. I really feel like the brick and mortar bank is going to keep dying out. And Mm. by them not having so much capital held down to like, long-term leases for, oh, you know, like JP Morgan has, for example, they have a lot of banks where their traffic's gone down and even though the biggest bank in the world, JP Morgan's going to do just fine. But I like that it's not brick and brick and mortar. Um, the exposure to auto is where I'm a little concerned about, especially with Ally. They do generally do higher risk type of loans. So they are lending out money to, you know, more risky, but yep. if it pays off, um, I work in the insurance industry, so I see what the daily per diem is on car rates, and it's crazy. So mm-hmm. as long as those play out, be fine. Um, I know last quarter, um, when the, the earnings just came out on Wednesday, they beat EPS. Um, I know for total profit, I think they missed by only $10 million, so it's not that big of a miss. 
Um, I know on their on the net for their loans for like the profit they're making on loans on loans, it was down. So it was down about like one point, but I think it was like one hundred and ninety one million down compared to last year. Reason why rates have been going up so much over the last year, it's been costing them more money to get the funding, higher funding costs. So that's why that's going with that. So it's just understanding, okay, we're are we're going down in profit. Why? And I know that this week it's Fed week. I do highly expect them to go up another 25 basis points. But I feel like after this basis point hike, I think rates will start going down, which will then in turn hopefully help them out in the long run. So it's a long term yeah. home. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I do think with rates, we're we're hitting a point where we're probably, like you said, going to start to – like I don't think we're going to have double all the increase that we just had for this last year. Mm -hmm. uh, even in Canada, we just had our inflation numbers, and I think they said it was like 2.9% or something uh, this week, which is – it's still quite a bit. And of course, there you know, it's not – like that's the aggregate. It's everything. And there are some – like groceries is way more, right? But still, mm -hmm. overall, it's it's improving. So interesting. And I also agree that uh, that space that you're describing with like, you know, lending to people, let's say, with a, a less good credit score, mm -hmm. it's tricky, but it can be extremely profitable if done well with good risk management. I think that this company that we talked about, maybe the equivalent uh, in Canada would be one called Go Easy, which I used mm -hmm. to own. Um, I, I don't anymore. I took the profits and, and sold. But yeah, they're they're good in that space as well. Okay, thank you. So that was Ally Financial. Uh, another couple of things. What what are we looking at in terms of dividends? Um, for dividends, um, it's a uh, uh, thirty thirty cents a quarter. Right now, it's yielding I think at four and a half percent, if I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head. Okay. So it's a little bit of a higher play. Um, they have the tricky part is uh, they have not increased their dividend this year yet, so it's kind of getting in that rock, but. If they didn't do an increase, I'm okay with it. Their five-year CAGR is very, very exceptional, double digits. So, oh, okay, That's you know, so if they if they don't do it for one year because there's a purpose with it, yeah, um, I'm not really one to stress about that as long as the biz the, the the core reason why I hold the business is doing fine. Did Did they say why they didn't increase it? Was it they want to retain cash or pay debt? Um, they haven't yet. So I honestly think um they did have to increase their credit loss provisions so mm. i think they're just being extra cautious with that portion because they're so exposed to auto loans okay that's good i think sometimes some investors they get mad they're like oh it didn't increase every year so it's a terrible company but it's like actually they're being responsible by not putting themselves yeah. at even more risk where it could really screw them over later where they have to cut the dividend so jp that's... morgan did an increase last year oh really Ooh. Nope. Last year they did an increase. They did increase this year. I think it was like uh, five cents or four, four or five cents um, more in the dividend. But they did not increase last year. There's people who are upset about it. Wow. But it, you know, it's like that's the one of the largest banks in the world, if not the largest bank in it the world. The, like, yeah, it is. Oh damn. Okay, I did not know that. Okay, yes. continuing on the topic of banks. So as we all know, not not to not to spread negativity on the U.S. I love the U.S., but your banking sector is a little weird sometimes, right? Uh, we don't always know what's going on. And so as a result, I know sometimes you guys like to invest in Canadian banks. So I saw that you own TD. So let's talk about that. Why did you buy it? What was your thought process? Yes. So um, I honestly really got to learn a lot about the Canadian banks through Twitter. Um, prior to Twitter, you know, I knew a couple of them off the top of my head. I obviously knew what TD was. I actually knew what Bank of Nova Scotia was, was because when I was a child, they actually had a Scotia bank in my town, but oh. they, um, it, it closed shop really early on in my childhood. But I remember though, you know, I do remember at least from that, from childhood. Um, for me, TD, I looked at the big six, um, obviously uh, it's what uh, Bank of Montreal, Royal Bank of Canada, TD, Scotia Bank, help me out. What are the other two? CIBC and National Bank. Yeah. There you go. The, yeah. The, those those last two are the lesser known ones, actually. So, <laughs> yeah. Makes yes. Sense. Yes. The, so the big six, um, for me, honestly, they were all very similar to and my, based off my research. Um, it was it was honestly going to be between TD and BMO. Okay. Um, I went with TD, honestly, more for U.S. exposure because I know yeah. the brand. Um, you know, really good. You know, four and a half. I believe it's four and a half percent dividend yield for the U.S. Like whole. For the U.S. holding, I, I don't know if it's any different on the Canadian holding. It's I know the there's two of them, so it's the same. Yeah. Um, I do feel like on valuation, where it's at right now, it could be a little bit better. 
in my honest opinion. Mm -hmm. But I went more based off, I looked at the banks. They were pretty similar for the most part. And I even, I think I even put a poll on Twitter. It goes, hey, for my Canadians, which banks do you like? And some of them would literally go, we have the ETF for the banks because they're all very similar and they're all yeah. good. Yeah. So that that kind of gave me a lot of security. It's like, okay, so, and not only one, this is like at least more than 10 to 15 people. That post got at least like 70 comments. It's like one of my posts, oh. I got a lot of traffic. Wow. And then yeah. obviously the big thing with Canadian banks, we all know is the, their years of paying dividends, the consecutive yeah. years. I forget which, I think I talked about this with Dave. Um, I think one of the banks is close to getting 200 years in dividends. I forget which one it Evil. is, but. I think BMO is... 1829 i think something like that so it's something like that so yeah and scotia bank is 1833 so it's right behind so it's that consistency yeah. and that you know it's it's not only in the, the thing with canadian banks it's it's not popular just in canada and the us it's a worldwide thing like i see people who have you know in the euro in europe that have exposure to canadian banks and because they know how well run they are and they're and such an i feel like it's an important part of the portfolio it's actually the only international really heavy international stock i own for right now um if i ever wanted to add more international exposure i'm actually going to etf it out okay and so you're still considering it but you haven't for now no it's correct national correct uh, right now my main focus with the portfolio is building out what i have mm -hmm. and getting that to where i want to, like where level i feel like it's at and then i have a couple tickers that i do keep eye on to see if they ever reach a strike price that I'm comfortable with and then kind of go into there. But right now it's just building out what I have and especially with my core holdings, my core ETFs, and then my core individual stocks, building those out to be the strength of the portfolio. Yeah, makes sense. You know, I, I had a talk with Kage the other day and I know you mm -hmm. also chatted with him too, so it's funny like yes. the timing, how it's all similar. But uh, I asked him a similar question about international stocks and he said something which totally makes sense to be honest is he said you know listen i live in the us like I, if i have like voo uh, or you know etfs like that those companies are so globally diversified that it's almost like having foreign stocks in a certain way you know what i mean because and then he tweeted i think today about coca-cola that is there's more coke sold outside of the us than in the us right mm -hmm. yes cocaine, I... but coca-cola like the product <laughs> yeah. oh no so, of course no, yeah. no 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 good what's really funny is i actually a long time ago i watched a documentary about coca-cola about and then it's looking how they've expanded into like you know third world countries and you know smaller mm -hmm. countries there's people who will do everything they can to save up to go buy that one bottle of coke and yeah. coke is that one thing where it doesn't matter if you're you know if you're barely making you know breads and ends meet or if you're a high up end up ceo or an executive warren buffett he has his diet coke with them at all times it's a product that has translated across any type of cultural religion social status yes. economic status and that is powerful dude you know not to get into politics yeah. this is not a political yeah. podcast at all no. but i will have to tell you sometimes i see like the political narratives in the u.s like everyone's yelling at each Ugh, other and it looks horrible. like there's a bit of a crisis of confidence a little bit about how strong the u.s is but i can tell you as a foreigner the, the brand power of the U.S. is the there's nev never been anything like that in the history of the world. Like the, the way that everyone else looks at you guys, right, in terms mm -hmm. of your products, how, it, you know, the, the genius, all the cr great stuff that you've created. So I'm not surprised about this thing that you said with yeah. the Coke. That's how we look at Apple and all those other companies as well, right? So there is a lot to love in owning, uh, you know, an S&P 500 ETF because, like I said, you, you captured the imagination of the world. And you guys don't even realize it sometimes, but you have no, absolutely. The one stock I don't now own, I'm dying to own it. It's just really expensive. It's McDonald's, the se yeah. the secret real estate company without the re complication yes. with taxes. Yes. I think right now they just passed 40,000 in to total restaurants, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. But yeah. the, the way that they have their, um, their licensing fee and all their um for their franchise the the fee model and how they do it it's genius yeah have you seen the movie the founder oh absolutely yeah so that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a i mean it's insane i mean i actually knew about the structure before the movie the movie honestly oh, okay. it was one where from there yeah, yeah. so for the movie i literally was just scrolling through netflix and it was just one of those things okay well I, it just okay i like it. I'll, I'll watch it um 
it's just the way that they've done business. And, you know, it's funny that I think, I think 95% of their stores are, I think it's either 85 or 95% of the stores are franchise only like 10 to 15 is corporate or five mm-hmm. to 15 is corporate. They make so much more off the franchise and they buy the land. They own the land. They build the building. They own the building. They lease. It's, it's such an amazing business and they're almost dividend King status. So yeah that how it's like what 47 years or something now that 47 they... 47 or 48 yeah so wow yeah mcdonald's is a really great one it's about I... to hit 300 bucks a share though yeah no it, it is and i also love pepsi so much i've never owned either but i i own it through schd yep yeah. same here um I'm, schd is my number one holding and as far as weight oh wow um, okay okay let's talk about this one real quick so yeah. why did you pick this one instead of let's say the smb 500 then so I do have exposure to this. I do have uh, I have VOO Boo. Mm, I guess um, number one though. Oh, number one. Um, honestly, for me as number one, I like the way how they do their their vetting process into how they select the holdings that they're gonna have for the year, mm-hmm. and I that is the main thing for me is what I liked. But then also, um, the exposure I get to companies that I like, but I probably necessarily wouldn't buy individual. Um, because you know, that's just the way I've done it. I'm going to give you, um, I know it's not related to SAUC, but I'm going to give you an example. Okay. Two, two of my favorite holdings is XLI, XLP. XLI is a, it's an ETF for the industrial sector. And then XLP is one for consumer staples. In consumer staples, I would not buy Mondelez as an individual, but I have exposure to Mondelez there. Mm-hmm. And it's like things like that. XLI, some of my favorite businesses, Lockheed Martin, it has John Deere, um, it has waste management. I do own waste management as an individual, but it has a lot of solid companies, Caterpillar, but in, you oh, know, yeah. in, in industrial, usually those stocks, it's harder to build out individual shares usually in the industrial sector. Yeah, It's that way I can get a little piece, a piece of everything. And that's just the way how I've done it. And I did that with utilities too. Utilities is because I had no interest in doing research at any of those. I know they're important to have a balance in the portfolio, but like XLP, it has exposure to Walmart, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Mondelez, Hershey's, and Hershey's, I know you made a tweet about it, you know, Hershey's, <laughs> we're quality, yeah. not, not, not the best quality, but you know, Great as far stuff, as though. it's the, the performance on the stock, but also the brands they have are yeah. global brands to build those out individually is very hard. Yeah. Put it into one, I'm okay doing that. And that's the beauty with like index and ETFs. It's just you get to own so many businesses that you would love, but without having to complicate having so many individuals in the portfolio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, great points there. And and just for me to elaborate also on my, my Hershey's points, for people listening who may not have seen my tweets, basically, I, I think I, I retweeted someone who posted something about Hershey. And, and I said, Ooh. like, I, I'm not a big fan of the product in terms of the quality, but... I do recognize that a the marketing is great. Like I actually, I was looking at Hershey Canada, like on their Instagram. I saw some of their marketing campaign that they're doing. It's it's very funny and nice and engaging, you know, compared to some of the the other players kind of in that industry. And they've also again, it's that Americana like capturing the the imagination, you know. It's like you don't even need to have the best product if at least your marketing is is so good and your brand is so fun and engaging. I think, and that Hershey is really really good at that. I find it's engaging. It yeah. makes you want to participate, you know. I will say though, mm. chocolate of choice, Lind. Lind? Yes. I agree. It's a pretty good one. Nothing more like opening yeah. up the twisting the wrapper. You have that nice, beautiful chocolate ball, and it just literally melts. It melts on the touch. Yeah. It's amazing chocolate. Yeah. I will tell you though, um, I know it seems like if you if you like watching the founder, I forgot what the name of the movie was. Look up the one for the history of the of the founder for Hershey. It's a really, okay. really, really good. Really good story. Really good oh, okay. story. Cool. Good to. Know. I'm actually gonna write that one down. Thank you. Let me just yes. write this down so I don't. Um, it's re- it's really good. It's a. It, it kind of talks about how his business partner kind of screwed him. Then oh. did Mar- Mars. Then that's how Mars kind of branded off. But it also yeah. Hershey. Um, he built this factory. He actually built houses for his employees 
so they can live near and then he gave them housing and then they all turned on him because of it's crazy but it's a really it's it's a really good americana story and i think it, just for the history part of it i think like, you would appreciate it okay yeah no thank you man i'll definitely check it out all right last topic i wanted to kind of uh, go over with you so i heard on uh, your appearance on uh, the tom what's his name tom savings uh yes the savings captain the Tom's... savings captain yeah that was he's and... a great interview i need to chat with him because that was great i listened to your episode of him yes. and i saw you mentioned though so that you worked in the music business which is really cool i actually used to as well um mm -hmm. so have you ever looked at any music stocks and if so which ones or have you ever considered it i'm gonna be honest i've had no interest of owning any of the stocks obviously okay. there's live nation there's spotify and all of this i have no desire and i'm kind of kind of elaborate to that um, in the music industry, I was I used to work in talent promotions. I used to be a talent buyer and tour router in Florida. I did a little bit of everything. When I left the music industry, I did everything I ever wanted to do that I'm happy with. Mm -hmm. I have no desire to kind of hold back or go into that. It's just one where it's like I leave that in the past and just reminisce in it once in a while. That's the fair big, enough. The yeah. big thing for me... With obviously with like Live Nation and AEG and all these big companies, the way they make money is they also own the ticket server and the fees are ridiculous. And the one thing for me, it's one of those things where a concert is is an experience for somebody to escape the reality for a couple hours and go have a good time. I feel like with a lot of these companies where they're just making concerts so much harder and not, not as accessible to people. It's one of those things where it kind of doesn't sit well with me. Also, you know, over here in the U.S., um, there's they're trying to pass regulation on like fees and like getting fees lowered. So that's going to if that goes through, that's going to affect their business model. But it's more a moral thing because nobody, everybody should have the opportunity to go to a concert or experience live music because it is an experience. It's an out of body experience sometimes. And yes, I feel like companies are they're kind of messing for that for people who may not be able to afford it. I mean, heck, look at look at how much Taylor Swift tickets go. No hate on Taylor. Oh, no hate say tickets. Yes. Yeah. No hate. No hate on the artist. It's, they have made a show and a spectacle that's worth the money, but it's like yep. it's dropping five, six grand on a concert. It's like it's yeah. tough. It's it's a lot. Well, dude, you actually just hit on a very interesting topic here too. So a little segue, but uh, investing uh, according to your values. Are there mm -hmm. other sectors then that maybe you don't like because you know you you can it's like not like morally it, it feels a bit odd to invest in them? Do you have anything else like that? Um, morally, don't have many. Um, private prisons, I won't do. Oh yeah, I hate. That. I for, I yeah. forgot. I forgot. There is a there's a ticker symbol for it. I don't remember what it is. Group. So there's yeah. that. Um, I, honestly, with the sin stocks like the tobacco stuff, I don't care. I, I'm totally cool mm -hmm. with that. I have no mm -hmm. opposition to that. I have no opposition to the gambling. Um. Let me see what else I can think about that. The one that gets a little weird with me, and I am willing to invest into it, it's health insurance. Mm. Because I've heard stories of people needing a life-saving procedure, and the doctor has not started because they have not gotten the green light from the, the insurance company. It gets really weird, yeah, but... man, this only happens in the U.S., these stories. That's I kind know. of scary. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I know what the, what the business provides to that. Other, other things or sectors that I don't invest in, it's airline, cruise, oh. auto. Those, yeah. I just don't, I personally don't, like with airline and cruise ships, the profit margins are slim and they're yeah. very cyclical. With cars, um, I just don't really care that much about cars in general. I just need something that gets hit A to B. I've always said that my Ferrari or whatever you want to call it, my big home run thing would be getting a new pickup truck whenever I do. And that's it. I'm I'm very simple with that. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. All that makes. And so actually, can we get a very quick note on Tesla? What do you think about the recent like stock up and down right now? Have you looked at that? I don't look at Tesla individually. Nope. I know the price to earnings is crazy. I have exposure yeah. to an ETF and that's all I need. Okay, yeah, that that's fair enough. <laughs> we we have a, another one of our um friend. I don't know if you if you've chat with him, a uh, Dividend King. You, no, I've not. Oh, you know. Yeah, okay. I know. I know who he is, though. Yeah, he's super nice guy. He was one of my guests as well. Awesome guy, but he he did the trade the other day. It was like you know an experimental, like he put just a little bit of money in, in the Tesla, but unfortunately it went the, the wrong way. So yeah, Tesla is a, is a dangerous one to to play with. So it's it's fair enough to have it in a uh, in an ETF. Okay, man. Uh, if I still have you for one minute, I do want to ask you about like if there's 
biggest lesson or mistake that you can share with investors? What, you know, what is like a piece of advice that you can give? Two things I can talk about. Number one, just start. My biggest mistake was not starting earlier. Number two, do not chase yield. That's a good one. Um, I just sold out of AT&T um, this yeah. week. So AT&T, um, when I started the portfolio, the reason why I did AT&T, I do have services with them. So I things I use in every day, that was my basis for it. Um, when I started investing, this was after the Warner Brothers spinoff. I felt like that, okay, I feel like the worst is done. I feel comfortable doing it. And it's just AT&T, just AT&T'd. So yeah. I, that was the last yield trap I had left in the portfolio that he said I consider a yield trap. Um, yeah. I just, that's my lesson. Luckily, I luckily, I, I only sold at a 10% loss. So it wasn't that big. Oh yeah. Oh, only like, only like 10 shares. Right. So it wasn't anything crazy, but I, I know for many friends of mine that still have average costs in the low to mid twenties. Oh, and what's it at now? Like $14 or something? It, it, it was at 13.50 one point this week. Oh, it's like, it's man. like a mid, I think it's like mid 14 to close out oh, on Friday. Yeah, that's, that's painful. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you for this fantastic advice. Listen, man, this was an amazing chat. I loved it. I learned so much from you. All our listeners, please follow One Penny at a Time podcast. And I'll put the, the, the link in the description. Follow him on Spotify and on Twitter. And where else are you at? Are those the two main? Uh, uh, Apple Podcast. Um, I, I'm on Instagram too. Instagram. Yes. Um, on threads, but I don't use it that much to be oh, honest yet. Yeah, but, <laughs> <Me neither. laughs> but, but uh, Twitter and Instagram are the main ones, so you can get a hold of me. And um, I love chatting with everybody. If you write to me, I will write back. I love getting to just talk and have different points of view and, you know, just going further into this beautiful thing that we get to call investing. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much again for your time, man. I had a blast. I hope you did as well. And uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, it's, it, I, I, will, I will say this with the utmost confidence. You have the best radio voice out of any podcaster I've heard uh, and your I energy, man. It. I will tell you the energy you bring to whatever you do to like any, I've seen you on other podcasts and to your own, your, the way you, your ex, words and expression are one of a kind. So it's definitely one of my favorite things that oh, I have about man. you. Uh, you're going to make me blush, man. I, I'm very touched. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'm glad. I'm just happy to share this, this passion with everyone and uh, get to meet great people in the process, you know? Such as Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I, I likewise, my friend. Uh, dot, dot that day. We'll figure something out here in a couple months for you to come on mine. So we'll Brilliant. make that happen. Let's do it. All righty, everyone. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Newcomer Investor channel. And I look forward to connecting again with you soon.